Hi, welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is your host, Kim Shea, and it is Tuesday, January 11th, 2022, and this is my first guest of the year. Her name is Dr. Jackie Black, and Dr. Jackie Black is a romance relation expert. She's a marriage educator, and she's a certified coach to couples. I want to invite her on here because, first of all, romance and relationship is a topic that comes up for most people when they're in their retirement era, and also um, with quarantine and a lot of people spending a lot more time together, I thought she might be able to answer some questions for us about tips that we might be able to use to get along better and and maybe refresh our relationships if we're getting tired of each other. So welcome, Dr. Jackie Black, to the program. Thank you so much, Kim. It's great to be here with you. Thank you. So tell me about your background, first of all. Who are you and how did you get into this? Oh, I I fell into doing um, coaching, marriage coaching, uh, I was a psychologist and had a therapy practice, and I met a coach on an airplane, LAX to Dulles, many years ago, when the coaching industry was in its infancy, and this coach transformed my life. I was going through a very, very difficult time, and he changed my life in a five-hour flight. Wow. And I, I got off the plane and, uh, in those years, got onto the people mover to go to baggage claim, and I thought... What just happened? Who was that masked man? I'm not dating myself. (laughs) And when I got back to L.A., there was no Google, of course, in those years. It was 1999. Uh, And I did a lot of investigating, and I found the International Coach Federation and a bunch of coaches and started taking classes, teleclasses in those years over the phone. And one thing led to another, and I got my first certification um, from Coach Training Alliance, and then I went to Therapist U, which is now um, ILCT, um, Institute for Life Coach Training, because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing therapy and coaching, that I really was understanding what coaching was and that I was doing it, that I had mastery in coaching. Uh, and then after ILCT, I went to the Relationship Coaching Institute, uh, and did uh, further certification for dating. I was a dating coach for a while, and then for advanced coupleship, advanced partnership training. So, uh, so I've been in the in the coaching world since 1999, and doing couples coaching since marriage coaching since about 2002. You bring up an interesting point. So you said you wanted to make sure you were doing. Um coaching, not therapy. So what is the difference for somebody who's looking? So therapy, the therapy model is based on finding out what's wrong, what is the problem, and then healing the pain, healing the problem. In, in marriage coaching, in all coaching, but, but in marriage coaching in particular, we look at what's working What's not working? Where are you and where do you want to be? And then we coach to the gap, as we say. So my job is to hear what's working so I can build on that. What's not working? Where people, how people want to be together, what they want to be different. And then I help them to learn skills and tools and strategies uh, so that they can interact with each other, they can support each other, they can be open-hearted, tap into their own vulnerability, because open-heartedness and vulnerability is where couples connect. And those are skills. 
if people have trouble doing that uh, and they have some personal things that are getting in the way, sometimes I'll refer them to do personal work with a therapist. Okay. Okay, so it's good because you have basically knowledge of both sides of the spectrum then. Yes. That's wonderful. Yes. Okay. Um, and so... You, you one thing you can focus on is bringing back romance. So if somebody's already got a relationship, they've had one for a long time, you can help them bring back romance. And so maybe you can tell us, I mean, is this just natural? Every relationship is going to lose romance. Is that something we should expect, that just over time they just break down and need a little help? Is, is that common? It's common. I don't think we should expect that. I think okay. that we should go into relationships, just my belief, but I believe that we should go into relationships understanding that relationships are like a garden and that the soil has to be tended and fertilized and watered and weeded and, you know, all of that, that, that there's t- not work. I cringe when I hear people say okay. that you have to work on your relationship. Yeah. No, you have to give your relationship time, attention, and intention. You have to set your intention for maintaining that closeness and that coziness and that vulnerability. And what happens over time with a lot of relationships is that they become transactional. It's really about what are we doing and how are we doing it? Where are we going? And that's true across socioeconomic boundaries. It's true geographically. Um, I work in eight countries. It's true in all age groups. And people think that they fall in love and they get married. And because they get married, everything will be fine and nothing can be further from the truth. Falling in love is the first piece and then we have to figure out what it is we each need as individuals to stay close to each other. And what do we need to do as a couple to really deepen that, strengthen that, and foster that for ourselves and each other. So it's really co-creating. Okay. That's very different because most people do refer to it as a lot of work when they're talking about the relationship. Thank you. I know. And really, it should be fun, and the rewards should feel yummy and wonderful, mm-hmm. and which would cause them to want to do it more and more and more. Work is just really the wrong, I think, I think it's the wrong approach. And who wants to work on anything? Yeah, I get it. It doesn't sound very good. I've never liked the way that sounded either. So I figured you would know. <laughs> so we've got somebody, they've been married a long time, and that they're, just they have not given it the attention it deserves so how do they get it back because sometimes after a time then resentment starts to build up there's grudges people start building walls between themselves and so how do you fix that how do you help somebody if people want to reignite or restore their closeness, reignite that spark, restore the closeness if they want to. If both partners want to, then it is absolutely doable. A lot of times, as you said quite correctly, there are resentments that have built up. So we, we, we need to do some resentment clearing. And there are hurt feelings, so we have to understand what were the hurts and the affronts the little ones and the big ones, the betrayals, uh, and do some some healing around that. Just pay attention to those hurts 
And there are ways to heal those together, not separately. You don't have to go off and lick your wounds or go off and do your own work. This is, this is couples work. It got created between the partners and it gets healed and repaired. That's what we call it repair. And the repair work happens with both, with both partners in the couple. And then they figure out what they want to build anew. How do they want to feel and how, what, what do they want to participate and contribute? What do they need? What do they want? What don't they want? What do they want less of or more of? And then we begin to put those uh, back in place. Okay. So when you talk about betrayal, so I assume you're talking about um, affairs and things like that. Is it possible to recover from something like that? Absolutely. It is. It is. In fact, the couples that do recover are stronger than the couples that don't. And you never know until it happens to you. You can think conceptually, I would never forgive that, and it would be... And then when you're faced with it, all kinds of other things come into play. So sometimes couples decide that they want to overcome that and they want to work through it. And sometimes couples, one of the individuals or both individuals can't. And let me just take a minute and say that affairs are not the only betrayals. If you tell me on a regular basis that you're going to do something and you don't do what you say you're going to do, that is a betrayal. That's significant over time. Mm -hmm. And that is a hurt that partners carry within them. Even if you say you're going to be home at 6 o'clock and you don't call and you show up at 6.30 or quarter to 7. You know, um, so... Say not saying that you'll do something and then not doing it. Making a commitment to do something and then not honoring your commitment. Setting a boundary and then you try to bust the boundary or you don't honor the boundary. So there are a lot of different kinds of betrayals. Um, and it's only the left brain that will quantify them. Well, this is a big deal and this isn't. The heart doesn't do that. For the heart, a hurt is a hurt. All right, that makes sense. All right, so people work through these things with you, and then, so what revives the romance? Do you make time to give give each other flowers or go on date nights, or what do you do? Flowers and date nights are good. Uh, but what's more, or and, what's more important is to create a couple experiences, to create, to learn and to master having um, what I call couple talk and couples dialogue so that couples really learn to be together and to listen and to hold the space to listen empathically, non-judgmentally, uh, and the more that they can talk and they can share and they can co-create little experiences that feel wonderful to both of them, the, the bigger and the better and the stronger the relationship gets. So it really doesn't come so much from the outside, although flowers and date nights and those kinds of things will augment the internal work that they do, the internal building of enjoyment, of trust, 
of caring about each other, and again, becoming in the presence of each other, open-hearted and vulnerable. That is also the place where great sex happens. Okay. It makes sense, I guess. Everything else is in alignment there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So now you focus on the relationship, not the individual. You're not there to find fault and say, you know, your problem really is that you're not really being true to what you're supposed to be doing or or you don't seem like a great guy or whatever. You're focused on the couple. Is that where you're coming from this? Yes. And what I tell couples is that I am the advocate for the relationship. So couples will only hire me if they are both interested in restoring the relationship and then creating what they want. No, so, and I would never say to somebody, um, well, let me give you an example. So today uh, there was, they reported that one of the partners said something and it was not aligned with a commitment that he'd made a couple of weeks ago. And I said to him, how aligned is this behavior with where you want to be with her? And he said, got it. Mm. And so he could see, so we don't say, this was bad. You were bad. You did something wrong. And that's where he started. Well, I, I did something you know, wrong. I won't. It's like, no, you're not bad. You didn't do anything wrong. We never will judge a person or a behavior. What we look at is, will this behavior get you what you want? Will this forward the goals that you have, the commitments that you made? So we're always looking at what's working based on what they say they want and what they commit to and agree to. Sometimes uh, they'll behave in a way that is actually more aligned for them than the initial agreement or commitment. That was not the case today. Um, Then people come back to the table and they say, you know that thing that I committed to? I think that wasn't really aligned for me. Not sure that really was a good fit. Or I don't think I can do that. Let's look at that again and see what else might be possible. That's very interesting because it sounds like, like you said, you're not judging, but you're also coming at it where it really is your clients. Your clients are the one answering to themselves, this is what I want or this is what I don't want and this works or this doesn't work. But it's, you're, just, you're just creating space for them and asking them, is this, is this where you're headed? Is this what you want? Where it's, it's kind of up to them telling you, but... All you're doing, it sounds like, is just kind of fostering the conversation and and asking them questions that they might not have thought about to put it in a perspective that they might not have thought about before. That's exactly right. Hmm. People tend to work uh, on a plane of good and bad, right and wrong. And um, one of the things, I I have a couple um, overseas, and... Uh, they they wanted a shift in their relationship. He is recently retired, and it really threw a monkey wrench in the relationship dynamic. And uh, one of the things that he said was, I would like some things to be different. Okay, that happens in relationships. So what do you want? What do you need? 
Um, what are you willing to contribute? What are you willing to change? Right? So because both people have to change. And, and one of the things that he said a couple of weeks ago was, well, she isn't ready. It's like, no, 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 no. This is not about, we're not going to put that on her. This is about you and she have not co-created a new way to be in this dynamic that you wanted a change to. Right? The two of you are co-creating this new way to interact. This is not she. Oh, right, right. So and it's not the first time we've had this conversation. So you can see how people get caught in old ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wh- so and, what do you see in retirement? What's pretty common for you to see that? Like this, you, this is common. What else are you seeing? Do you know that the divorce rate is very high among uh, newly retired people? The first five years of retirement, people are more at risk for divorce than at any other time in the relationship. Wow. Yes. There's two new really interesting statistics. One is that one, and the other one is that entrepreneurs in the U.S. are 10 to 15 percent to get divorced at a rate of 10 to 15 percent higher than the national average. Why do you think all this is? I, I think that for different reasons. I think entrepreneurs get divorced because they, um, you know, <laughs> entrepreneurs love their businesses. They're all in. They're really, they're fed by being in business. They're enlivened by being in their businesses. And even if you're in a relationship with another entrepreneur, there's a way that you have to um, decide, and it's a decision. You have to decide, you have to choose how much time you want to spend in your business, how much energy, how much focus you want to spend on your business, time, energy, focus. And then you have to decide what kind of a relationship you want and how much time, energy, and focus you're going to put on the relationship, understanding that he or she is not going to be there and wait for you. You can't put them in you know, a suspension or freeze them until you're ready. And entrepreneurs never are ready. So we have to become very, very mindful that, yes, as a person is important, yes, the relationship is important. What are the behaviors that send that unmistakable message that they're important? That's one thing. A second thing is normally entrepreneurs are not married to other entrepreneurs, and this is so interesting. And they have a much higher tolerance for risk. That's why you've got so much pushback about money. Even if it's women entrepreneurs, they're married to men. Even if men are successful, meaning they have money, maybe they have more money. Mm -hmm. But the pushback is about the level of risk um, entrepreneurs normally marry people that who are more risk averse than they are. It's interesting. This is anecdotal. My working with entrepreneurs for thirty-three years in eight countries. Well, yeah, that's got <laughs> a lot of knowledge. So I just want to Google say that, that you can't Google that anywhere. Okay, all right, but that's yeah. what you've observed. That's very valuable. Yeah. That, that and it's making sense too. So well, now when we look at retirement, the person who is retired, I have a couple, they're both teachers, 
And one person just retired this year, and the other person is still teaching for a few years. And uh, beyond the, what are we going to do with the gap between your retirement and the money we're bringing in? And what she always knew was that she had so many interests and has so many skills that are marketable. She's actually making more money. That gap is overflowing. And we knew that wouldn't be a problem. Um, but the person that is, not by Anne again, the person who is home suddenly is seeing stuff. Uh, for example, I, I have... Um, clients and the it happens that the the woman retired first and he was still in his office and then COVID hit and he was in his home office which was separate from the house now he's retired and he's in his home office but he wanders in and out of the house much more frequently and she's on the phone with her friends and she does charity work and she's got grandchildren and she she's a writer and he wanders in the f- and he starts saying, are you always on the phone this much? Who are you talking to? Are you always on the f- 40 minutes? What did you have to say for 45 minutes? He's not mean. He's not judging. He's curious. He's such a sweet guy. I mean, he's a real sweetheart. And asking her, who was that? What did they have to say? Well, what's going on? It's driving her nuts. I can see that. <laughs> I can definitely And again, see that. there's no ill will. He's not critical in any way. Mm-hmm. He's just really curious. And he wants to have snacks with her. Do you want to, can I make some coffee? Will you come into the kitchen if I make some coffee and have a da da da? Um, I'll make some lemonade. Do you want to come out to the back porch and. Uh, no. So he's, oh. he's snacking, he's eating, but he, and he wants to hang out with her. Yeah. I read the most interesting article. Do you have a couple of minutes? We can go. I'd love to talk to you about it. I think that sounds really sweet. It's He's lovely. He really is. She's very sweet, too, but she's in a routine. And uh, as much okay. as right, she's in a routine, she has commitment. She's got um, things that she does and people that she does it with and, you know, that that kind of thing. And... Um, she does want to, she will always say, can we do that this later in the day? Can we do that after dinner? Can we talk about this during dinner? Can I meet you on the porch for a glass of wine? And can you read me the article? So she's just not stopping in the moment and being available. And it doesn't feel good to him, which you can imagine would be true. Yeah, no, I can see both sides of this. And it's kind of sad <laughs> to listen to it. I feel, I feel bad for both of them. Well, they're learning how to invite each other, how to say no. I can't now, and I can, and I'd love to then, and really have that be soothing. But that's that's deepening and strengthening. Mm. Let me say it this way. it's It's expanding their comfort zone. And that really is true for both of them. It's expanding their comfort zone. So she is hearing his curiosity and learning uh, to really hear that as his interest and be warmed by it. 
Mm. He is learning to expand his comfort zone to, and can we do this later? Okay, so and you're not coming in there saying, here's what you guys need to do. You need to yep. stop. Okay, you're, you're asking them to define how is this going to work for you, too. I mean, do you ever offer any suggestions, or are you still just asking questions? As all good coaches do, they ask questions. How they do you ask it? powerful questions, and that is so key. Uh, and, and that is a skill. I used to teach coaches. I actually worked for Coach Training Alliance for probably well, from 2005 to 2000, I think, 17. Uh, and I was a trainer, and I was teaching coaches. And my specialty in the world of coaching is to teach coaches how to develop powerful questions. A powerful question will impel a client to their own knowing wisdom and vision. You must believe that clients have all the answers for themselves. If you think you have the answers, you are not going to be a good coach. Right? If you think you have all the answers, you think what you have to do, what you have to say is so important, write a book, have a podcast, become a speaker, do a webinar, do a master class. But when you are sitting in the presence of a client, your job is not to tell them about them. Your job is to impel their deeper exploration of their own knowing wisdom and vision. And you have to fiercely, fiercely protect that knowing that they have the answers. If you don't believe they have the answers, then either don't let them hire you or do a little work on your coaching skills. That's very interesting. I really like that, that you have such respect for people, too, your, your clients, that they have all the answers. It's really a very, um, it's a very beautiful perspective, too, because you're saying you have the inner wisdom, and I know it, even if you don't. I do. That's exactly right. I hold the space for their knowing until they know it. Hmm. And that. look, in English-speaking countries, we have... Uh, as almost two generations given away our power and look for other people to tell us what to do and how to do it and when to do it and we trust that they know better. And it has never been true and it is still not true. Each, each of us as human beings, as unique human beings, have our own answers. We have our own life lessons to learn. We have our own gifts and skills and talents and natural abilities. We have our own limits and our own weaknesses and our own Achilles heels. Yeah. And so our job is to really, really know that about ourselves, you know, to, to really be good observers of ourselves and to own our personal truth about ourselves and then share that with our partners. That's really nice. So when somebody comes to you, how do you get started with them? I mean, you must be asking them what the issues are or do you just leave it open and let them start talking? What, what can people expect if they make an appointment with you? So the first thing I do is um, schedule a Zoom call. And because I'm looking for some things, and I'm certain they're looking for some things. So we schedule a Zoom call, and I will say to them, what would work the best for you? Do you want to tell me 
what you want me to know? Or do you want me to tell you a little bit about me and a little bit about the process? And then we start wherever they want to start. If they want to know about me, then I tell them they've already probably been to the website and heard me on a podcast or in a master class or on Clubhouse in a room. Um, so I will tell them what my philosophy is and how I work with clients and a little bit about my background. And then I will start asking questions and I'll say, is it okay? Do you want to tell me? Or do you want me to ask you questions? That's the next piece. Do you want to tell me what you want me to know? Or do you want me to ask you questions? Sometimes they have a story they want to tell me. And some, generally, one person has a story that they are more anxious to tell than the other party. Okay. And sometimes they want me to ask questions. So if, I, if they're telling me their story, I'll ask them to tell me their story in five or six minutes. And then I'll ask their partner to tell me their story in five or six minutes. Is this true for you? What part of that is true for you? What part of that is different for you? If they want me to ask them questions, then I ask three questions. What's, how, how, did you, how did you meet? Tell me your love story. Because I, I want to go back to when they met and when they were in love and when the world was their oyster. And then I'll say, what's working really well? What's not working so well? If you could change one thing fast that would really make a difference, what one thing would you like to change? And there's A and B. What would you like to change in your partner? What would you like to change in yourself? And then from those questions, you can I can tell that people really start processing and and they they really can be thoughtful or they start blaming each other or they take responsibility or they don't take responsibility or they are very thoughtful and hold a very respectful space for each other to share their stories or they're frumping and rolling their eyes and huffing and puffing. I, I don't let those couples hire me. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's an interesting thing then. Okay. That might not work so well. So part of coaching, unlike therapy, part of coaching is to decide, to determine if people are coachable. Mm, okay. And one of the hallmarks of people being coachable, any kind of a coach an executive coach, a life coach, a business coach, a diet coach, any kind of, a writing coach, any kind of a coach, is do you already take responsibility for what you have and what you don't have in your life? Are you already taking responsibility? If people don't know that everything they've got, they already created, which is why they can co-create whatever it is they want. If they don't know that, then they're not appropriate for coaching. That's just in general, not my business, but right. yeah. coaching in general. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the that's the base basis baseline. So if somebody comes to you and she's let's just say it's a woman, she wants to see you, but her husband is not interested or her partner's not interested in coming to this, then 
you can't coach her, can you? It's just oh, her. yeah, abso- absolutely. Oh, okay. Because she, okay. sure, because she's her own person. See, in a relationship, in my view, in a relationship, you've got two 100% human beings who are co-creating how they're going to live together and love each other, support each other, comfort each other, uh, how they're going to deal with their differences. So there is a lot that somebody can do for themselves. I have a great story about a client that I had in Geneva, Switzerland, years ago. And she said, my husband won't come. I said, okay, we'll do the work for you. Um, And then, so we worked 100% on her. In about four months, he started noticing some differences. And we were not, she was doing personal coaching. And he came home one day and he said, so I'm noticing this, I'm noticing that. And he said, am I noticing things that are happening? I mean, do you know? And she said, yeah, this is the work that I'm doing with Dr. Jackie. And he went, oh. So, and he knew that she spoke to me on Wednesday afternoons. So he started coming home earlier in the afternoon. And they'd have a, a very leisurely, lovely afternoon. And he would say to her at some point after he was home for a little while, so what did Dr. Jackie have to say today? And they made the most beautiful changes in okay. their relationship because she made changes that were more aligned for her. And as the more she was in alignment with herself and the more she was showing up in her life in a way that really matched for her, he liked it, and it was good for her, it was good for him, and it was good for the relationship. I never once had a phone conversation. He, wouldn't talk, he would never talk to me. Oh, okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. That's really neat. Is that one of your favorite coaching success stories, would you say? Yeah, I, I would say that, yeah. Yeah. I have that's so really, that's many impressive. favorites. Yeah, I, yeah that, was, that was great. Did you ever have a couple come in that you just thought was there was very little hope for them and that they were able to turn it around? Uh, I don't judge that there's very little hope, but I have had clients come in who both had divorce attorneys. Okay. And, and, uh, and a couple of clients that actually had already filed for divorce. And they, they re- look, you know, people think uh, we'll break up and we'll get divorced and then everything will be fine. Nothing could be further from the truth. Divorce solves nothing and creates all kinds of problems and pain and sadness and upset and heartache in a lot of different ways. So I want to say that divorce is legitimate in some circumstances. But in so many cases, people feel helpless and hopeless because they don't know what's wrong and they don't know how to fix it. And if you don't want to get divorced before you get a lawyer and for sure before you file for a divorce, please call me because over the course of time, what happens is people start feeling unsafe. There's a lot of research um, out there about people feeling unsafe. So when you hear somebody say, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. 
that's code for the heart not feeling safe, for the person no longer being emotionally vulnerable, which probably means they're not having sex either. They're not cuddling. They're not having any intimacy or closeness or sharing. And so it's lonely. They feel lonely. When people feel lonely, sometimes they start arguing and fighting because negative contact is better than no contact. Mm. Okay, so I was going to ask you about the effects of COVID, but when you talk about retirement, which I think, and I'm a retirement coach, so from my perspective, the COVID and the lockdown has been, to a small extent, not completely the same, but is somewhat of a window into what retirement would be like if you don't have your your things planned out. You can have a lot of time at home with nothing else to do. It's different because, obviously, in, re- in true retirement, there were many more options available before COVID than during COVID, where all of a sudden nothing was available. Nobody could do anything even if they wanted to. But um, but this is almost the same. Everything you're talking about is the same thing. If you've got one person who's partly retired or one person who's just not really available, the issues are all the same. It doesn't matter. It sounds like whether you're in COVID or whether you're in retirement, uh, you, you still got people who are not on the same page and you're helping them to find what define what the page looks like and how they get there together. Yes, and to, and to, and to write whatever story they want to live. Mm-hmm. COVID was very interesting because many people discovered when they were locked down together that they had been distracting themselves. They'd been mm-hmm. avoiding issues and, doing, and distracting themselves by running around or traveling or being busy with friends or kids or whatever. And all of a sudden, all of the stuff that wasn't working, that they were distracting from, bubbled to the surface and emerged. And they didn't have the skills and tools to deal with it. And they couldn't run away. They couldn't hide from it. And they couldn't avoid it anymore. With retirement, it's a little bit different. Uh, It's not so much that they are distracting and now not distracting. My experience with people that get uh, retired is that they don't have a plan, right? They don't have a plan for how am I going to stay relevant? How am I going to stay interested and interesting and stimulated? Yes. Because how, how much can you putter around the house or, or, or play golf or go exactly. to lunch? You're not yes. locked down. Yeah. Right? So, so the person that is retiring may not be going to their nine to five or may not be going to the thing they used to do for work, but they have to have a plan. What, what does life look like? How will you contribute? Who will see you? Where will, uh, how will you stay or become self-affirming and self-esteeming? Yeah, that's because a big you, part Right, because you can't look to your partner for that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of times people have big jobs and they're accomplished. And a lot of people know them and interact with them. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of accolades from the outside world. All of a sudden, you're retired, and all of that goes away. And that is very, very hard. That, that's a huge loss. That is a grieving experience. That's a loss event that impels grieving for a lot of people who get retired, who retire. 
Well, that's an interesting point you're bringing up there about grieving. So then when you've got these two people and one is grieving and the other one is not grieving because they're still living their life or they've got their retirement dialed in because they just have a lot of things to do, then how do they come together? How do they work on that together? And that happens quite often throughout the life of a relationship if people are married 20, 30, 40 years, that life affects one partner differently than another partner. So uh, in in my world, that is really normal and common. We can expect that one partner will be affected by something external or internal uh, like an illness. And that there that couples don't um, experience the same event in the same way uh, that causes big problems in relationships if some if, if a child dies for example uh, and they grieve differently they're both grieving but they grieve differently so the what the way I help them is for us to figure out what they want, what is the what is what is the hope for where they want to be? How do they want to be together? And then we look at each person's gifts and skills and natural abilities and zone of genius and how can they what can they contribute to hold the space for this person and what can they reasonably not be expected to do or be able to um, contribute and when each person knows what they need and they own it and they they have a, a a better understanding of who their partner is and what they can reasonably expect from them and what they can't and then they work together on how to get the kind of support or the kind of experience the other partner needs uh then they're pulling together they're working in the same their their boat is rowing in the same direction and that's the thing that is so important and has to remain stable throughout the life of the relationship. Not that they are the same, but that they are focused on each um, sharing what they need, getting something from the partner, and then together figuring out how they get the rest of what they need. It, it, it's an oversimplification, but that, I think that's a good way to frame it. That's, that's beautiful, and I, I like that that's the goal there. That's really nice. Dr. Jackie, what else would you like us to know? What else do you think that you want to share here today for our listeners? I'd like to just touch on conflict for a minute. Uh, There are a lot of experts in my field who talk about fighting fair. And I don't understand that. And I have a no-fighting zone, like zero tolerance for fighting and arguing and bickering and conflict. Why? Because the basic fundamental um, foundation of our relationship is open-heartedness and vulnerability. If we're going to argue, if we're going to fight, even if it's safe, somebody is going to win and somebody is going to lose. How vulnerable and open-hearted are we going to be able to stay if we're losing? And why do I want my favorite, most special person in the world to lose anything. So the idea of winning and losing and fighting with each other 
has to be put to the side. And to replace that, I developed the win-win-win model, win-win-win strategy. Win-win-win. I win, you win, we win. For all problem solving, whenever anything comes up, all conflict, I win, you win, we win. If we don't create solutions and resolutions that are aligned for both of us, that work for both of us, then we're not doing our best for ourselves and for each other. So win, win, win. And it's possible. It's not pie in the sky. It's not rose-colored glasses. This really works. It really, it's, it's powerful and it works. Uh, it's a little more time. You know, in the beginning we talked about time, attention, and intention. To get to win-win-win will take a couple a little more time. But it's so worth it. You just don't want to be lazy and do the I win, you lose. It, it's so damaging. It's very destructive. And at some point, I win, you lose, and a little bit of resentment and a little bit of disappointment and a little bit of betrayal, all of a sudden you've really got a, a broken heart. You have a heart that says, I don't know, this doesn't feel good to me. I think I'm going to pack a lunch and take a hike. Just inside, I, I, think, I, I think I don't want to be here so much. I don't want to be so open. And it's not a conscious decision. That's the other thing. Our heart has a mind of its own. It takes care of itself. We people don't think consciously, I'm going to be a little less vulnerable. It it happens out of outside our conscious awareness. And that is very hard to come back from. Possible? Yes. Very hard to come back from. Okay. There's just so much wonderful information here, and you seem like you'd be very lovely to work with for anybody with their relationships, just because of your manner and the way that oh, you thank are you. really trying to preserve the relationship. It seems like it's coming from a very genuine place with you. It's not just a job. It seems like it's your calling. It's really, really nice to see. Uh, thank you. So people can get in touch with you. At, you have a website. Dr. Jackie Black dot com and Jackie is spelled J A C K I E. This will all be in the show notes, but in case you're just listening, you want to look it up right now. It's Dr. Jackie Black dot com, and she said you can email her at Dr. Jackie at Dr. Jackie Black dot com, and she's also on Instagram at Dr. Jackie Black. So there's a lot of places to find you and get in touch with you and and to start mending our relationships no matter what this is not for newlyweds this is for you've been married 65 years it doesn't matter it sounds like you can help just about everybody whatever state they're at yes newlyweds people that are thinking about getting married and they really want to just check in and make sure they're both ready and is there anything that they could do to really jump off in a very good way in a productive way um, I never talk about healthy uh, or, or unhealthy. We really look at relationships in terms of are, are they productive? Are you getting what you want from each other? Are you, are you giving what you can give? And is that aligned with your vision and your values? And, and people that are getting married, uh, that are newlyweds or who are engaged. Do you know that... Um, the divorce rate goes up for the second marriage and up higher, around 73%, for the third marriage. Mm. 
So you want to be sure that you're not just replacing people and you're doing the same thing in the same way. That you really, really understand uh, what you need to learn and and where you may need to make some, some changes to get what you want. And to give what you want to be received. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people think that they're giving things to people and they don't understand why people are misunderstanding or they say, uh, I don't feel your love because they, they really do feel the love and they think that they're behaving in a way that is loving. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds so, great because like you said, you don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. You want to have a successful relationship that makes you happy, especially if it's your, yes. your third one. I mean, you want to get it right and be happy. So that's, that's great. That's and nice then before, and the first, and the first one, too. You well, don't yeah, want to get divorced. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes when you're talking to people who are retirement age, they may be on their second or third marriage. It's oh, just right. life. And um, they'd be divorced yeah. or, you know, death and things like that. So you want to have a really successful marriage, especially as you're going to this chapter in your life. It's nice to have somebody that can really stick by you and you can stick by them through what life has to throw at you during that phase of life. Right. And there's another very interesting dynamic that can be a little problematic, and that is if one person is divorced and the other person is widowed. Mm. I can imagine that would be different. You've got a different set of the way the relationship ended and how you're feeling towards the person that was there before. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so that can often be problematic. I'll bet. So, but I'm I'm guessing you've had the more difficult. Yes, and the more difficult the divorce, the more difficult the relationship is with a with a widowed person. Is that because they're bringing anger with them, the one who's had yes. the difficult divorce? Okay. Anger and a lot of hurt, mm. and then sometimes, outside, again, outside our conscious awareness, we may make assumptions and we may have protection that we don't need. Mm. You, again, you just have so much to offer. It's really been a joy to talk to you today, and I think that you have a lot to offer people. So, I, thank please, you. Please reach this out and contact so her if you're listening. It, it sounds like she should be able to help you. Even if you think you don't have a problem with it, there might be something there that Dr. Jackie can help you just by you talking. You might find out there's something that you're not quite on the same page about. She'll be able to help you with. Oh, thank you, Kim. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you know anybody who you think would be a great subject for this podcast, please have them contact me. They can go to my website, retirementpurposecoach.com. And at the bottom of that front page, there is a contact section and they can just reach me right there. I'd love to hear from them. I am a certified retirement coach, so if you need any help from me with your retirement so that you have your own success story, you can contact me there as well. I'd like to thank Bokuwa and Wizzy2K for the use of their song, Will You Stay With Me? I have the link to that song in the show notes. Have an excellent rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope it's purposeful. You'll enjoy your life so much better if that's your focus. Bye for now.